open up in prayer and see what the Lord has for us today. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. We thank you that um, you've given us your word to glean off of, to learn from, to share with others today, Lord. Father, I ask that you speak through me, Lord, that um, I may speak the words that you want me to speak, Lord, and, and not my own. And Father, just bless the ones that couldn't be here today, if they're sick or not feeling well, um, or just kind of down, Lord, I ask that you lift them up, Father, and you just bless them where they are, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so now we're at Romans chapter 12, and uh, boy, we're almost there, huh? So lesson 16, um, oh, did, do you want to say anything about our koinonia? It's not next week, but the next week, or the groups will talk about that. Okay, um, so let's dig right into it. Um, I'm going to do like a little... Um, introduction first on Romans 12. So almost invariably, Paul began his epistles dealing with the position we have as believers. That is, he addressed doctrine before he dealt with duty. Sad to say, such is not the case all too often in the church today. The result is a legalistic guilt trip that is very foreign to the nature and message of Jesus Christ. When, however, the concepts of doctrine precede the call of duty, we understand that the work is done, that we are righteous in Christ, and there is either more to do to get close to the Lord or to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. The result is we find ourselves saying, Far out, Lord, in light of what you did for me, I want to serve you. And that is why, after spending 11 chapters talking about man's ruined condition and God's rich salvation in chapter 12, Paul begins to encourage us to start serving him. Okay? So my first point is this this whole chapter, it's basically three different studies in one. So I was talking to my husband, Dan. He's like, what do you mean you have the whole chapter? I'm like, yeah, we, we do the whole chapter, honey. And and almost every time. <laughs> right, Cece? <laughs> okay. So, um, so I kind of broke it down to three sections. So my first section is, of course, not of this world. So weird enough, our family did not have a sticker, a hat, a shirt, uh, anything that has that simple, you know? I'm like, what do you mean you guys don't have that stuff? Dan's all about shirts and stickers and hats and, you know, Danny with his shirts. And I'm like, okay, just imagine, you know, that sticker when I'm talking. I should have called you. Isn't your car, who has one of those stickers on their car? See, so it's not as popular as it used to be. Remember when the they had the store down there in Riverside and everything. So, all right. So anyway, we'll go to the first section. Um, reading chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God and let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. 
When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you in a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how God, how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Well, I'm, le- I'm reading from the New Living Translation, just in case you know, um, because it's going to be different unless you have that version. Okay, so verses 1 and 2, of course, um, it's talking about giving up yourself completely. Why? Because he did it for you. Truly, it's reasonable to give yourself to the Lord, saying, I'm laying down my life for you. Lord, because you gave yourself to me, you have great things awaiting me. I don't want to miss any of them now or eternally. Presenting your bodies means that God wants you, not just your work. You may do all the kinds of work for God, but never give up yourself. I beseech you means that the will is to be the master over the body. Then thinking for ages says that our body must tell the will what to do. But the Bible says our will must bring the body as a living sacrifice to God. The body is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Keeping it all God's as a living sacrifice keeps the body where it should be. The sacrifice is living because it stays alive at the altar. It is ongoing. When we offer our bodies, God intends it to be holy and acceptable sacrifice, which is like a burning of one's life constantly, refining the impurities that hinder us from him. So it's kind of like that, that video that I just shared. God wants to set your soul on fire. He wants to have that burning inside so you can go out into the world and sacrifice your life for his work. Okay? So we either, are we either to be a conformer or a transformer? Which one are we? Either we can care what the world is doing or we can let it squeeze us into its mold. Are you a thermostat, always adjusting to the temperature of the culture or changing the climate just to see what's hot and what's not? Change your look, your car, your house? Believe me, the world will move on quicker than you can catch it. That's why we need to be different, transformed, out of style. It'll be okay. Are we all living eternity and for eternity and preparing for heaven living in the world is a constant battle we must put on our armor go to battle with god's standards in hand renewing our mind we must think differently most of us live a life based on feelings how do i feel today about my job about my husband about the worship about the preacher This is the only ignoring the power of God because it ignores the renewing of the mind. If you read John 1.1, 1 
the word became flesh. Seek his word and apply it to your life. Okay, we're going to be moving on to the next section, spiritual gifts. So verses 3, as God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourself, measuring your value of how much faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of his one body, and each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. So God has given us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do it in a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing God's kindness to others, do it gladly. So we're not going to just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never being lazy in your work, but serving the Lord enthusiastically. So let's recap on the spiritual gifts. Paul speaks about how we should exercise our spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. But a warning about humility is in order. Giving the inordinate pride that often arises from those who regard themselves as spiritually gifted. We should remember that spiritual giftedness does not equal spiritual maturity. Just because a person has substantial spiritual gifts does not mean they're necessarily spiritually mature of a worthy example to imitate. When we see the truth in ourself as we really are, it is impossible to be given over to pride. So even though we may have those gifts, we still need to have the growth and maturity to share those gifts. We can't just expect to just go out and do what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do without the maturity and the humility that goes with that. God gives us gifts that differ in nature, power, and effectiveness. According to his wisdom, and graciousness, not according to our faith. God will give spiritual power necessary and appropriate to carry out each responsibility. We cannot, by our own effort or willpower, drum up more ability and thus be more effective teachers or servants. These gifts to his church and give us faith and power as he wills. Our role is to be faithful and seek ways to serve others 
with what God has given us. When you identify your own gifts, ask how you can use them to build up God's family. At the same time, realize that your gifts cannot do all the work in church alone. Be thankful for people whose gifts are completely different than yours. Let your strengths, balances, and weaknesses be grateful that their abilities make up for your deficiencies. Together, you can build Christ's church. Okay. Number three is going to be on forgiveness. So I already read nine. So let's start out with uh, verse 12. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out. And get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. If people persecute you because you are a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. When others are happy, be happy with them. When they are sad, share their sorrow. Live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Ah. Never pay back evil for evil to someone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserves it, says the Lord. Instead, do what the scriptures say. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And they will be ashamed of what they have done to you. Don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing good. So my recap on that one. It also parallels with, of course, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. So you can go ahead and read that. We do have our mirror behind these trees that has those verses, which is awesome. Most of us have learned how to be kind to others, to speak with love, avoiding hurting their feelings, and appear to take interest in them. We may even be skilled in pretending to show compassion when we hear of others' needs. But but God calls us to be real and sincere and love that goes far beyond hypocritical and polite. Sincere love requires concentration and effort. It means helping others become better people. It demands our time our money, and our personal involvement. No one person has the ability to express love to a whole community, but the body of Christ in your town does. 
Look for people who need your love. And Lord, for what ways you and your fellow believers can love your community for Christ. As Christians, we honor people because they have been created in God's image, because they are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and because they have a unique contribution to make Christ's church. Does this sound too difficult for your competitive nature? I have a challenge. Why not try to outdo each other in showing love? Put others first. Humility can happen in a messy home around a table with canned soup while the host and guests are doing chores together. And I lost my other one. So when you are a host, you are supposed to be the person that is paying attention to your guests. You're not supposed to worry about what your house looks like, how the food's going to taste, if everything is perfect. When we show hospitality, we're showing that we're interested in that person. We're interested in your guests sincerely. Um, so we're, we're supposed to give up of our pride and the, the way things look in our house and things like that and not have a mindset of like entertaining, which a lot of people take for hospitality. They take it as entertaining. And there's the, the mix-up there. So we want to make sure that we're showing hospitality from our heart, that we're sincerely um, concerned about the other person. Um, since I lost my other notes, <laughs> um, I do have a, a short little test. And I'm not going to say test. I'm just going to say questionnaire, okay, on your spiritual gifts. Um, so out in the Fourier, Pastor Tanner has one that has like 130 questions, like it's 10 pages long. So mine is two pages and, um, it's very simple and I would like for, for all of us to do that. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to share a little bit about what the assessment is. We're going to play a couple songs. While the songs are going, I would like for you to go into a time of prayer and then um, really just answer these little questions sincerely and honestly. And you know what? Everybody is going to have different gifts, and that's what makes up the church, that I am happy that um, there are people that have administrational gifts or preaching gifts or, you know, it's like, okay, Lord, awesome. They can do that. And you got me over here. So we all have different things to bring to the body. Um, so I'm going to just read this small little assessment. Um, when you accept Christ, you're not only saved, you were given something very special from God a giftedness to serve God in a unique way. God's plan for your life is that you would meet a specific need in the church family. 
that he has gifted you in a special way to meet that need. As each of you, as each of us has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's 1 Peter 4.10. If you have trusted Christ, then you have a spiritual gift. Even if you don't know what it is, or you don't feel particularly gifted in a specific area, the Bible teaches that you have a special gift that you can be used to serve God. And believe it or not, your gift is a vital work to God in our church family. Otherwise, God would not have placed you here. God's word teaches that a member of his body, you are as important to his work in this place. He has appointed you a gift and a purpose for being here. And you will greatly enjoy discovering and using that gift for his purposes. And what should you do with this spiritual gift? First Peter says that God wants you to be a good steward of this gift to you. The best way to do that is to begin how discovering, developing, and using your gift to serve the Lord in his church. The great result of using your gift is that the entire church family ministers to each other and to the community. That is the way the church, the body of Christ, is supposed to work. So what we're going to do, we're going to pray. I'm going to pass these out, and we're going to listen to the music and fill out our um, our questionnaires. Okay? So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I come before you, Father, and I, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your gifts, Lord, that you've given each and every one of us, Lord, in discovering what areas, Lord, that you have gifted us in. Lord, um, just bring us to a place, Father, where we can be truthful and honest with ourselves. And, and Lord, just um, be used by you, Father, wherever it may be. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>